Another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. We're doing the baseball. That's right. That means we're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story receiver doesn't know what the storyteller is going to be telling them, and this week that's me. That's you. Yep. You have no idea what I got in store for you I today. I don't know. I've been hinting, and I'm excited because I've had to throw this shit together in the last 24 hours. Yeah, it's not. it hasn't really been short notice, but the story <laughs> is short notice, I guess. This so, story anyway. is... I've spent, you know, probably... 10 of the last 11 days on a baseball field so oh, it's fair enough i mean i'm not i'm not blaming you or you know whatever 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 it is what it is give us a follow uh at doing baseball on twitter at doing dot baseball on instagram uh wherever you're listening to this if you can give us a rating or a review if they let you do that do it up yeah share it with your friends and of course uh thanks for listening so yeah well yeah. we're in the dog days of summer and uh in fact uh, I realize this story is kind of coinciding with the anniversary of the date. which Like today's date? Like today's date. I mean, you'll probably be listening to this. This episode comes out on, what, the 18th? Yeah, something so, like that. So, yeah, you're probably listening to this a little, probably a week later, but this story happened August 12th, two, or 2000, 1984. 1984, okay. August 12th, 1984. So this is the first. This is the first for Sean Ned's do baseball. How do you mean? Uh, so normally, I don't want to say normally, because we kind of give a broad definition of what we cover here. It can be series mm-hmm. or teams or umpires, but mainly it's player biographies of crazy baseball players yeah, well, you've never heard It of. has been. It's just, yeah, like you say, we just kind of don't really uh, pigeonhole ourselves any into any sort of particular topic. It's just as long as it touches upon baseball. I mean, I did a story on hot dogs. So. You did. You did. We've talked about movies, hot dogs, owners, mm-hmm. umpires, all of that. But today is a Sean Ned's Do Baseball First where we're just going to talk about a single game. Okay. One I'm game. Interested. One game. One game. You may ask, Edzy and our audience, was this game consequential in the standings? Uh, I'm going to guess no. No, not really. Kind of. Kind of, but not really. Was the game a no-hitter? No. No, no, it wasn't. Perfect game? Obviously no. not. No. In fact, the first pitch wasn't even perfect. Okay. So, my friends, today we are talking about the Bean Brawl. The Bean Brawl? The Bean Brawl. All right. So let's go back Sounds August... Interesting. August 12th, 1984. Uh, You were in for it, and so were the 23,912 who piled into Atlanta Fulton County Stadium on this Sunday afternoon, expecting to see the Braves take on the San Diego Padres in a game of baseball, but instead witnessed an all-out brawl. Okay. Twice. Was there baseball at all? Twice. Okay. Two brawls. <laughs> there was lots of baseball. In fact, we, we, we go through the baseball, and you will see the, the brawls don't take place until later in the game. Okay. Uh, but. I'm sure you're going to tell us about what led to the brawls through a baseball game, obviously. I'm sure I will. Okay. So uh, the Padres were a team on the rise. 
Uh, as we know, if you listen to our San Diego Chicken episode, which I mm-hmm. highly suggest you do. Yeah, please do. Uh, 1984 was really the first year that the Padres made waves in the National League and made it all the way to the World Series. Right. Uh, so it's really the year they started putting it all together. They were led by young Tony Gwynn and uh, Kevin McReynolds alongside veterans like Steve Garvey and Gary Templeton. Uh, leading the way to a good record. So remember, mm-hmm. this is August. We're in August right now. Uh, so this pitching staff was, was looking... The pitching staff, looking back, was really not all that impressive. Okay. Uh, Eric Show, Ed Whitson, Tim Lawler, Mark Thurmond. None of those like stand out as uh, staples in history. No. To me. No. But they were good, uh, and they stayed immaculately healthy that inning, or that inning, that year. Okay. So that helps. Yeah, and and I believe a couple of them even put up career years. Hmm. So it nice. was all it was almost like I would say, you know, just cuz of our fandom, the 2016 Blue Jays staff, right? It mm-hmm. was solid. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no superstars no, per se or whatever, yeah. but uh yeah, definitely solid ERA throughout the whole year and healthy. Yeah. And they also had none other than Goose Gossage closing it down. In in San Diego. In San Diego. Oh. So this this Padres team basically went from always having uh, a crappy team to all of a sudden getting Tony Gwynn and and these young players mm-hmm. and they they started was, adding, you know, veteran pieces to right, it. Right, right. I was gonna ask. I think '84 was his rookie year, wasn't it? It was his first full season, but okay. he he played in '83 as right. well. Okay. I think '83 counted as his rookie season. Right. I'm not 100 percent on that. So uh, going into the August series uh, against the Braves, uh, the Padres were nine and a half games up. Uh, on the Braves in the NL West. So the Braves were second. The Braves were second okay. and nine and a half back. That's, yeah. That's... In the NL West. First of all, why are the, why is Atlanta in the NL West? Yeah. That doesn't make yeah. sense. Uh, so... Scheduling would be awful for them. <laughs> really, really would. And they were, they were in second place, uh, even though they were like 10 games back mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but they were open to make up some ground, and they were playing a four-game series that included a doubleheader on Friday, August 10th. The team split the double feature on the Friday, and the Padres held the Braves to just one run on the Saturday. Okay. So it's not looking good. The Braves aren't going to make up any ground. No. And this is where the Braves were. And the 1984 Braves did not have a ton of things going for them. They were a team trending in the wrong direction and would face a rough end to the decade before their 90s glory. Much the same could be said about their skipper, Joe Torre. Oh, okay. So they're going in the wrong direction. This we all know what happened. before Bobby Cox. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was in Toronto at yeah, this point. Exactly. Right? So uh, they did have a future Hall of Famer and uh, I don't want to say friend of the show, Dale Murphy mm. on the team. Yes. So that was going. They had that going for them. He's not a friend yet. Anyway. He's not a friend yet. He will be on this show at some point, <laughs> and then that that'll be it. <laughs> um, so beyond Dale Murphy, their hitting is anemic. I think right. they had one other guy that hit more than ten home runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they didn't really do that much on the hitting side. Uh, they had a collective six seventy eight OPS. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. And that would be much worse without without Dale Murphy. Yeah. Um, but on the br- mound, the Braves did have some guys. Okay. Uh, they were led by Rick Mailer, a Texan who was having the best year of a respectable career. Mm-hmm. But 
more importantly, in the focus of this story, a right-handed pitcher called Pascal Perez. Okay. Do you know who Pascal Perez I'm, is? I'm afraid I do not. Well, let's just say he is definitely going to get a Sean and Ed Stu baseball <laughs> okay. story. There's a lot I of people almost like made No, there is. There's literally a few people in this that, that are going to get their own story. I almost did him. I didn't feel like I had enough time to give the respect to, to do a biography. Right. And that's why I went with this single game. So I will give you the Coles notes on Pascal Perez. Uh, so he's a 27-year-old Dominican pitcher who's tall and gangly. Uh, he was pure 80s baseball. Let's just put it that way. He was flashy, <laughs> weird, and full of cocaine. All right. That's what I thought you meant. I wasn't going to assume that, but I thought that's what you were yeah, saying. So he would have fit in uh, great along other odd players like Lenny Randall, if you haven't heard that episode, and Bill Lee. Yeah. Like, that is the era we are in, and this guy just... He's an eccentric player. Oh, my goodness. So, he was born in 1957 and originally drafted by the Pirates in 1976. Uh, he made his MLB debut on May 7th, 1980, 10 days shy of his 23rd birthday. Uh, he was built like a cornstalk, standing 6'2", and weighing 165 pounds. So okay. we got like a, a Chris Sale body type kind of right, here. Right. Uh, where am I here? Uh, the slim right-hander, the slim right-handed hurler, put up mediocre numbers in just under a hundred innings with the Pirates before being traded on June thirtieth, nineteen eighty-two, to the Braves. With the Braves, Pascual Perez became a borderline star and a household name for both good and bad reasons. Mm-hmm. And okay. we're not going to get into all of those reasons, and he will have his own episode one day. Right. Uh, but here's one example. On August 19th, 1982, Pasquale missed a start because he missed his exit on the Atlanta freeway. Instead of getting off at the next exit, he decided to keep going and follow the highway that circled around Atlanta. <laughs> okay. So he's like, I, it goes in yeah. a circle... So I'll come back to my exit eventually. (laughs) Makes sense, logically, I guess. And I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's a Baseball Project song about that. 100%. About him driving around the stadium. Yeah. So he drives... Maybe it's just about driving around the stadium. Well, this is absolutely legendary in in baseball lore. So he drives around the stadium. As I say, one day we'll dig into this a little bit more. Um, But he drives into the stadium, around the stadium, comes back to his exit... Like an hour later, mm-hmm. misses his exit. No. <laughs> no way. So eventually... He an pull- hour later, though? Eventually he pulls off the highway and he goes to a convenience store and asks to use their phone because he's out of gas. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know what... Either way, he misses his start because Fuck. of this. Okay. And, uh, yeah, either way. Phil Necro had to jump in last minute. So yeah. uh, but that's not what we're talking about. So in 83, though, Perez broke out. And was an all-star going 15-8 and eight with a 3.43 ERA over 215 innings. His shenanigans on the field drew him a legion of fans and ire from his critics. Perez would use the finger guns to shoot down opposing <laughs> batters and would sprint off the mound to the dugout, his jerry curl and several gold chains bouncing as he ran oh, after he struck okay. out a batter to okay. end the inning. So, yeah. So, you're, you said he was flashy. Yeah, he's yeah. flashy. He's got the chains. He's got the jerry curl. He strikes sh- the guys out, shoot- gives them the old Shooter McGavin, yeah, and he yeah. runs back to the dugout. I, I, knew I, I like him. I 
know. I was so excited to bring Shooter McGavin into his podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, here it is. Here's the yeah. day. Um, so he's an all-star in 83. Uh, he was arrested for cocaine in the offseason in the Dominican and started the 1984 season late because of it. So, okay. What, he had to go to, like, prison or something? I guess he was just in legal trouble, and I'm sure the he team couldn't was... couldn't cross a, the border Once again, we're going to do his own episode. Right, we okay, don't we'll, need to get that we'll much into it. Yeah. it one. Uh, so, um, but yeah, because of the way he shoved in, in 83, he became a fan favorite for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, along with the rest of the Braves, were known to, for being scrappy and had already been featured in a fairly significant dust-up two months prior. Okay. So they got some history. Yeah. So this is from a baseball reference description of the game. On June 16th, 1984, same year that the story's taking place in, uh, Cincinnati Reds pitcher Mario Soto throws several brushback pitchers at Atlanta Braves slugger and only other decent hitter besides Dale Murphy, Claudel Washington. Okay. So he had homered in his last at bat. He didn't take that very kindly, especially a couple pitches up and in. Right. Uh, so Washington tosses his bat in the direction of Soto. Uh, I guess things cool off a little bit and he tries to go out to retrieve it, but instead walks towards the mound. Uh, the chief umpire and Reds infielder Lenny Harris attempted to restrain Washington, but then he threw Lenny Harris to the ground and Washington's on the ground. I'm pretty sure too. Yeah. So Soto uses the distraction to punch Washington a couple times. <laughs> okay. uh, several of Washington teammates then attempt to hold Washington to the ground. I don't know what you're talking about, baseball reference. Yeah. Um, so while doing so, that Soto, the pitcher, once again fires the baseball into the crowd of players, Jesus. striking Braves coach Joe Pignatano. Uh, so I don't. How did Soto get the ball back? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is the type of shenanigans that were going on yeah. in 1984 baseball. Yeah, uh, Soto was suspended three games, and uh, three, that's it. And w- Washington got five. So what? apparently, Washington. I guess Washington started it by going to the mound. Right. But right. At the same point, Soto was used. He just whipped a ball into a into crowd, a crowd of people. Yeah. How did you get the ball? <laughs> Anyways, it must have. It, well, I guess it was a high and tight, so the catcher threw it back. It didn't actually hit him. Yeah. Um. So this all leads up to the day that we're talking about. This single day, August twelfth, nineteen eighty four. The Braves are just hoping to split the series, and San Diego is looking to blow a knockout punch to the Braves' slim hopes of catching them for the AL West. Mm-hmm. They get that magic number down, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still, you know, you still got probably 50 games left, but oh, you're up still by 10 lo- still games. Still lots of time, but you're, yeah, up by you're, 10 you're putting a stranglehold yeah. on it at that uh, point, right? So, Alan Wiggins leads off the game for the Padres. And the first pitch from Pascual Perez was a fastball right to the small of Wiggins' back. Mm, straight away. Straight away. First pitch of the game. That's okay. what I said. Even the the first pitch wasn't perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Wiggins immediately grabbed his back and paced around home plate in pain. Mm-hmm. It was like, it As like you a, would. Yeah. You get hit like, right in the spine and the small of the yeah, back. That shit hurts. Yeah, right here. So the, the Padres weren't happy and uh, would admit later that they saw it as the, as the Braves trying to intimidate them or just being sore losers because the Padres had, you know, yeah. taken two out of the first three. Yeah. Um, the real reason for the beaming may have stemmed from the previous day's game, though. 
So, well, what happened then? So, in a, a Saber article, uh, writer Bill Nallen interviewed one of the umpires from the game, and I quote from the article Umpire Steve Ripley had worked the August 11th game at first base and recalled San Diego second baseman Alan Wiggins repeatedly try to lay down bunts for base hits. Braves right hander Pasquale Perez was sitting in the dugout at the first base end charting pitches. After their th- after Wiggins' third bunt attempt, he recalled Perez started Perez started yelling at Wiggins, "Swing the bat!" You know, baseball crap. They were yelling back and forth at each other, and then the fourth one, Wiggins got down uh, and got on each other, screaming. So <laughs> they were, yeah, so they're jawing at they're each other. jawing at each other. Wiggins is the leadoff guy. The next day, he gets plunked on the first pitch of the game. Right. Uh, so Wiggins takes his base, and the game continues. There's nothing really going on now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but it is the national league remember uh and the reason for that so wiggins takes his base and the game continues but this is the national league and whatever the reason for wiggins getting hit the padres aren't feeling very forgiving this sunday padres pitcher eric show said they were they were fairly sure beyond a shadow of a doubt in fact that perez had hit wiggins on purpose which yeah, he might have done. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of seems that way. It definitely seems that way. So I mean, it's really no way to know for sure, as with anything. But you know, it seems that way, based on the day before. <laughs> <laughs> so manager Dick Williams spoke very candidly later about the incident. We didn't do a thing until Perez came up to the plate. Then we tried to hit him, mm-hmm. and try they did, but they had very little luck. Okay. So he was crafty. Well, they just had shitty aim. So (laughs) Rafael Ramirez had singled to lead off the second. And with one out, Joe Torre gave Pasquale the bunt sign. Perez, who batted right-handed, turned his body early to lay down the sacrifice bunt. Padres pitcher Ed Whitson reared back and threw a fastball about shoulder height right behind Perez's back. Okay. So went behind him. Went behind him. Pascal tents up and kind of jumps forward awkwardly, mm-hmm. avoiding the pitch. After avoiding the pitch, Pascal looked shaken and was holding his bat in his right hand. Uh, and he's kind of just, he's kind of holding it just like a little menacingly, but like not with too much malice in his face, just kind of realizing what what's going on. What's going on. That they're throwing at me now. Yeah. So home plate umpire uh, John McShury uh sees Pascal holding the bat like this and staring out at Whitson and moves towards the lanky Perez standing between him and the mound. Perez then springs to life, trying to run around the umpire and the catcher to get, you know, to the mound, I guess. He's still holding the bat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's not looking good. But cooler heads kind of prevail. Uh, And with that, we have the first incident of the game where the bench is clear. But nothing really happens. Okay. And as I say, first yeah yeah you already mentioned first. there's gonna be two brawls oh that wasn't a brawl it's oh. that wasn't oh. a brawl oh, this isn't a brawl no. this is just the bench is clear no 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 yeah that was nothing man that was just the first time oh okay uh, so both teams go back into their dugouts that the managers meet with the umpires it's the same regular bullshit and they mm-hmm. go you got a warning and you, you got, got a warning. warning and everyone and gets a warning everyone's warning <laughs> you and in the, the crowd it's and, you're born too and of course, and of 
course, you know, Joe Torrey's like, oh, are you giving me a warning? They threw it, my guy. And they're like, shut up, Joe. Just, yeah, just go back to the dugout, gets Joe. gets a warning. Um, so, yeah. The umps give the warning. Obviously, the next person that throws it, somebody's going to get ejected along with their manager. Bruce Bochy, future manager, mm-hmm. uh, was the backup catcher for the Padres. He recalls the Padres manager saying something along the lines of, I don't care if we win or lose this game, but we're going to take care of business. And with that, Williams got his bullpen up. Remember, this, <laughs> okay. is, the, this is the second inning. Yeah. <laughs> this is the yeah. second inning. Why are He's you getting your up. bullpen up? He's loading his bullets up. Yeah. So, uh, Will, Williams... He knows someone's going to be out of the game soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Williams made a list of with his coaching staff of who was to manage and who was to pitch. And who would take their place once they got thrown out. <laughs> All right. Well, at least he knows what's going to happen. He's, he's being prepared. a manager. This right. is why a baseball manager is a manager, That's not right. just a coach. That's right. Right? You're managing the game. Sometimes... i got to prepare. I'm going to do something fucked up here in a second. <laughs> i got to prepare. i got to have a contingency plan for when I get kicked out, because it's surely going to happen. I am going to definitely take a shot that could possibly end someone's career. Yeah. We're going for it. And here's what happened after. <laughs> After I do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he makes this list, and uh, but nothing happens in that at-bat. But Perez has his next at-bat in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston missed about two feet inside on three straight pitches. Jesus. <laughs> like, just hit him. Yeah. If you're trying to hit him, just yeah. hit him. Yeah. I feel like I could hit him. So, finally, make sure Wouldn't he has enough, him, but... and he kicks out Winston. And he kicks out Dick Williams. Okay. But he still hasn't got hit. Right. So they're the first two ejected from the game. Mm-hmm. So Dick Williams, the manager who clearly was planning for this, yeah. gets kicked out along with his pitcher, Whitson. It's the fourth. Mm-hmm. So Perez ends up walking in the AB because the first three pitches were all were garbage. Inside, yeah. And then somebody had to come in and replace Whitson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, he ends up walking uh, and comes around to score, in fact. Uh, and the Braves are actually winning the game 4 nothing. But, you know, who fucking cares? No, who cares? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, not what this story yeah, is about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As Dick Williams put it to his players, who gives a fuck about who plays, who wins this game? Yeah. Right? So all and they're the pro- up quite a bit, too. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Standings-wise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so they just want Pasquale Perez. That's that's all they want, and they've missed him twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the bottom of the sixth, Perez once again comes to the plate. He's pitching a gem. He's... Still batting in <laughs> yeah, the sixth, right? Yeah. Uh, he comes to the plate, uh, third A-B in a row. You all know what's coming. <laughs> so, yeah. Greg Did they Ber- hit him this time? Greg Berger's first pitch went right past the ear of Pascal Perez. Jesus. And he was immediately ejected along with acting manager Ozzy Virgil Sr. All right, so they're, now they're down to the third man on the bench. <laughs> exactly. All right. And they missed him again. Oh, these fucking guys. So, yeah. Um, at this point, uh, I'm surprised nothing serious happens. Mm-hmm. So it's his third is that he's got like five, six pitches thrown at him at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think he ends up striking out or something, but it doesn't matter. How would you strike out? Like you would know they're throwing at you. But, like, well, don't swing. the next guy that came in, I guess, threw him strikes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So 
you know, but two two pitchers and right. two. Right. I guess you wouldn't just. Eject. I guess you wouldn't come in after a guy just got kicked out and then immediately throw at him if you wanted to stay in the game. But exactly. I kind of figured his assignment would be different, but well, anyhow. they're taking their chances. So right. nothing serious happens. Uh, Perez is pitching a shutout for his team, and the Padres have headhunted and missed on three different occasions. The Padres now have Jack Kroll as acting manager. Okay. Third manager of the game. Um, You would think the Padres had missed their chance, and the odds of a pitcher hitting later than the sixth in the National League were very slim. Mm -hmm. Unless you're pitching well. Yeah. Perez was throwing a gem, and... Giving up nothing through six before giving up a solo home run to Greg Nettles in the nu- in the seventh. Okay. So Perez managed to escape the eighth with a five one lead, uh, and for some reason, Joe Torrey sends him back up mm-hmm. to bat. Okay. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe, just hindsight's fifty fifty. All right. 50 50. But you were, isn't Joe Torrey in charge of player safety? <laughs> I think he was at one point. I don't know if he still is. <laughs> I don't think like, this incident alone, this incident alone should yeah, expel yeah, him from yeah, any. It should have negated his, his application he just in the first place. Eight one run innings. <laughs> They've thrown at him three times. Hey, get back out there. <laughs> Get out there, Pascal. What are you doing? You're pitching great. <laughs> I need you in the ninth. I feel you're due a home run. And then he shook his fuzzy eyebrows. <laughs> they weren't that fuzzy back then. They were still pretty fuzzy. I bet they were still pretty fuzzy. Oh, they were definitely still pretty fuzzy. I'm definitely looking up where, where what Joe Torrey's position was uh, all the way to the bottom of the managerial career. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Film and a television appearances, books, Joe Torre Foundation, I don't know. Either way, Joe Torre had something to do with player safety, and this is fucked up, Joe. Um, so, <laughs> so Joe Torre sends Pasquale Perez up to bat in the bottom of the eighth inning, even though his team is winning and they just need three more outs. Um, so it seemed like everyone and their sisters knew what was about to happen next. Bob Horner... The gruff-looking Atlanta third baseman, who was built like a fridge, had started the game in the press box with a broken hand. But by this point, he had put on a uniform and was on the the Like, we need you down there. So he's got a cast. Remember when you broke your hand? Yeah, three times. That's the exact (laughs) cast he's got on his hand. What? And this guy looks like... I don't want to say a a mini John Cruck. He looks just like a more in-shape... John Crook. Okay. Uh, let's just put it that way. So, uh, like a lot of players in the 80s, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, he's built like a fridge. Uh, he started the game in the press box. After the game, he told the LA Times, you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out what was going on. Okay. So, he came down for a fight. Yeah, with his busted ass hand. Well, I guess he has a club on his yeah, hand. Yeah, he's so, got a club. Yeah. I mean, that's that's he's got an advantage. Yeah. Not just his size and weight, but his advantage. So, after a uh, uh, Bruce Benedict flyout, Pascual Perez came up to bat for the fourth time in the game. Jesus. He is 0 for 2 with a ground out, a strikeout, and a walk, but none of that should matter because <laughs> every at bat has been a farce at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh 
pitchers are just out there seeking vengeance. And Padres reliever Craig Lefertz, who is left-handed, 100%. Uh-huh. Your, your name's Craig Lefertz. Come on. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure Lefertz is French for left-handed. Yeah, exactly. So he rears back uh, on the first pitch against Perez. Uh, Perez seemingly knew exactly what was coming because before the pitch is even released, Perez is jumping back out of the way. Um, But that doesn't matter. It's a lefty. It tails far inside. Uh, He stepped back, but the fastball catches him right on the left elbow. Oh, they finally got him. Yeah. Perez is a a right-handed batter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's backing up like that. Um, So... San Diego Padres shortstop Gary Templeton put it best when he said, and that's when all heck broke loose. All heck. All heck. Okay. Definitely. Ha- I actually wrote hell at first, but I was like, no, man, he said heck. You he gotta said stick heck. with the history. You stick with <laughs> Gary's words. There you go. <laughs> uh, so the Braves then rushed the field. Okay. Just pissed. Yeah. Right? Everyone knew what was about to happen. Yeah. It was, a, it was a fucking powder keg at this point, just ready to pop. And then as soon as he got hit, top blew off yeah so fed up with the padres quest for vengeance uh fights broke out all over the infield mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one pile up took place just in front of the mound while two other scrums took place along the third baseline tony gwynn was right in the middle of all of this mess and at one point body slams a braves player to the ground nice and, yeah Exactly. So, you know, Tony Gwynn getting low. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, he's not, I don't remember him being like a huge dude, well, Tony he's, Gwynn. Well, he's like 23, 24 yeah. at this point. So he's in the best shape of his life. Right, so right. Uh, punches were thrown. Uh, umpires were caught in the middle of a pile of players. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. absolute. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like bedlam. Yeah. So there's just piles of players everywhere and, and guys are pulling guys out or jumping in to throw punches at guys they don't like. Uh, the Braves announcer at one point says he can see about five different fights taking place on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Jeez. This is a full-on... crazy. Full-on brawl. You full said brawl? I said brawl. Uh, and where was Pascal Perez in all of this? Well... He simply just walked back to the Braves dugout. <laughs> it's a smart decision yeah. by him. <laughs> just like he'd been in danger four times yeah. that night. He was yeah. like, "I'm not going for a fifth time. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm going. You guys fight it yeah. out. <laughs> you just sent me out there to get hit. Yeah. When all I all we needed was just a reliever to throw three pitches or three outs. Like yeah. Um. So he just walked back to the dugout. So there's fights breaking out all over the place. Fights going on. Uh. Padres backup first baseman, Champ Summer. Champ Summer. Yeah, Summers, I think, Champ Summers. Regardless. Regardless. It's beautiful. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. He notices this, and he he notices Pascal is nowhere to be found, Mm -hmm. and he splits off from the fracas going to find Pascal. He's like, no, no, you're not, you don't get a free pass out of this. Get over here and fight us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he charges the Braves dugout now, where Pascal is, and, you know... 
also, Summers was a Vietnam veteran that had been discovered by the athletics playing softball. Charles Finley's athletics playing Charles softball. Finley. That sounds like something <laughs> Charles Finley would do, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so we got a Vietnam vet running towards Pascal <laughs> Perez in the Atlanta Braves dugout. But Carry who, on. But who's still in the, the Braves dugout? But Burley casted third baseman Bob Horner. Oh. So Horner meets oh, Champ no. Summers on the dugout door, on the dugout steps yes right yeah. so he's he's pasquale's bouncer at this right. point right he's just there uh so he's blocking his path and and it's towards the the end of the dugout on the left side like towards the home plate area mm-hmm. um so i mean with the netting and stuff these days especially i wonder if if, if any kids listening to this podcast and if there are kids listening to this i'm sp- sorry for our language yes but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it was much more open for fan interaction back in the day, yeah. especially beside the dugout. Yeah. So um, Horner's kind of pushing Summers down in that area, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this is when fans start getting involved. Oh, no. The fans are involved now? <laughs> yeah. Tim Hurst style? Yeah. So Horner's blocking Summers' path, and he starts pushing him. They engage a little shove back and forth a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one fan jumps the fence and runs up behind Summers and jumps on him from behind. Right. Right? At the Fuck. same point as Horner's kind of pushing Summers back, you know, not realizing what's taking place, another fan jumps off the dugout over top of Horner and they take Summers and Horner and everybody down into a pile. Which at this point, the Braves notice what are going on. I'm not even reading yeah. this. I'm just yeah. telling no, yeah. you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> based on what yeah. I saw. And so the Braves are coming over now. There's a security guard, a police officer now in the pile trying to get people out. There's yeah. a camera well down below, right. you know. Yeah, One yeah. of these fans ends up crawling out of the pile into this camera well <laughs> to escape yeah to yeah. escape and like does he get away we don't know he uh, could still be down there st- <laughs> no he you see him leave at one point but it's just there's like a security guard that turns his back right at the right moment and the guy walks <laughs> out the other side well good for so, him so yeah exactly but this is the guy that came up behind summers and jumped him mm-hmm. from behind oh yeah so these this isn't the so he guy. did a lot of damage and then got of, out of there scot-free exactly so um <laughs> at the exact same point those two fans were doing their thing another fan had taken a beer can and just doused the pile mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. so there's like everyone got it right fan throwing a beer can like it was pretty it was getting nasty right sounds crazy uh so the braves arrive at the pylon and the everybody's so security and police are involved um and that kind of starts getting broken up a little bit. Everyone kind of like, oh, this is getting way out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the fight's not over. Yeah. Somehow, the fight continued as the Braves' Gaylord Perry and the Padres' Tim Flannery squared off right by home plate. He'd be like, he'd be the oldest man in the league at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was a, yeah, well, yeah. Pro- he was I'll 84. break your hip, Perry. <laughs> I broke it myself last so week. So they're, they're throwing punches on the ground. The group involved at the Braves bench now rushes over to join that fracket. Yeah. So it's just, it all started on like the third base side of the pitcher's mound. Yeah. And now it's made its way to the first base dugout. And now it's made its way behind home plate. It's, it's absolutely. Go, this brawl's going on tour. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's complete chaos as as one pile ups aside, another would break out and players would rush from one pile to the other. The fight continued for, well, I mean, I, it says 10 minutes actually watching it. I think it was probably a, a few minutes and then it was 10 minutes of figuring right. out what the hell just happened. Right. Um, 10 minutes of breakdown after yeah. the fact. So as order was restored and the dust settled, the Padres were losing the game, but leading the Braves eight to three in ejections. <laughs> so eight Padres ejected now. Right. Uh, that includes the four from yeah from the hitting yeah from the previous and the stuff. previous stuff. Uh, Donnie Moore took over pitching for the Braves in the top of the ninth. So Pasquale doesn't even pitch the ninth. He wasn't thrown out of the game. He was what? just sitting on the bench the whole time. He got hit by so he doesn't even throw the ninth. What? So they put him up there and <laughs> then they took him out? Yes. What the fuck? I <laughs> It makes no sense, Joe Toy. It makes no sense, Joe Toy. Joe Torrey managed five World Series yeah, champions. Yeah, well, this was before that. <laughs> I so know, but he, I'm just saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so Donnie Moore takes over pitching for the Braves in the top of the ninth. You would think this would settle things down. And it would not because Greg Nettles told his teammates, and I believe the, <laughs> the Braves catcher at the time, that it wasn't older because Nettles had punched Donnie Moore during some of this fighting the previous inning. Okay, so there was still some redemption to be had. <laughs> it was like, oh shit, the guy that pitching, I punched him like 20 minutes ago right in the face. So just letting you know, he's probably going to throw at me. Right, okay. Yeah. This could happen again is what he's warning, I assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, second pitch, first pitch, Nettles fouls it off, and you're thinking, all right, that's good. All right, we're back to normal here. And I think Nettles was swinging at whatever first pitch there was, if it was a strike, just to, you know, Mm -hmm. try to avoid the next pitch. Yeah. Second pitch, right in the rear end. (laughs) Right in the ass. (laughs) Right in the ass. (laughs) Okay. So, Nettles just drops his bat and helmet and just... Goes for the mound. Just goes right. And here we go again. Okay, here we... Yep. Yep. Start her back up again. Yep, so Nettles goes for the tackle on Moore. Moore's kind of sidesteps him. It's kind of a nice move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because Pedro, Pedro Don Zimmer? No, no, like no, a little bit like more that. not like that. But okay. Nettles stays on his feet, but he's disoriented. He doesn't know which way uh, uh, Moore's is, and then he just kind of turns the wrong way, and then there's a mm. bunch of there's a bunch of Braves right there, so he just starts fighting those guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like an action movie. Yeah, well, we'll watch it after, and we'll record, and maybe use it, maybe not. Who knows? Okay. Um, Nettle spun around, uh, and teams clashed in a pseudo-wall of death right in front of the pitcher's mound. If you don't know what a wall of death is, people... YouTube it. YouTube it. Uh, yeah, look up Vok in 2008. Me and Eds will be in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Right in front of the pitcher's mound, there's a big clash. Everybody runs together. Nettles engaged with whatever brave he could find. And Pondre's utility player, Kirk Bevequa, could be seen punching wildly at any opposing player he could find. Mm-hmm. Bevequa would later joke, because he was a utility player, that it was the longest he'd been on the field all year. <laughs> a good sense of humor, but I, I was out there punching guys, and I was having the time of my life. Yep. <laughs> Anytime I get on that field, I do my best. (laughs) Um, Take pride in everything I do. (laughs) So, um, 
Once again, the mass of bodies move from the mound over to the Braves dugout where multiple skirmishes are taking place. Like, it is... Jesus, just craziness. Yeah. So, players were restrained and the brawl was broken up, but once again, fans got involved. (laughs) Oh, man. Braves fans began to throw beer and projectiles into the Padres dugout where a shirtless Ed Winson was standing furious and yelling at the fans above the dugout. Did he take his shirt off like he was just going to fight everyone? I, I'm, I assume I'm that's what's going so. on. I'm assuming he probably got hit with a beer or it got ripped uh, off. It could have got ripped off that's in the true. giant fight that just that's took true. place. That's it, true. That, that could have happened. Rip my damn jersey. Well, yeah. sorry, we didn't bring another one for you. <laughs> yeah. But he's going all crazy-eyed shirtless, yeah. and he's yelling at, at the fans now, mm-hmm. and everything's not going well um so uh so Whitson grabs a bat not a good idea no jesus no, but he probably thought better of killing a fan and instead got the attention of the security guards and the mm-hmm. police and started pointing out the perpetrators and already hot bavacqua who I talked about was right in the middle of that throwing Having punches, the time of his life. Gets hit with a beer on his way back to the dugout. So he gets on top of the dugout and has to be restrained by like security guards. <laughs> He's trying. like calling on fans yeah. from up there. Yeah. So this is all going on. It's absolutely Sounds like just great. Wow. Well, absolute a fan, pandemonium. A fan runs onto the field and and Whitson seems to think this is one of the dudes so he's being he's still got the bat and he's still shirtless and he's <laughs> he looks like Lanny McDonald <laughs> and with like less hair yeah okay <laughs> and he's just trying to get and people are restraining him and he's trying to get on the field with this bat to I guess break the legs of this fan I'm picturing Randy Marsh yeah a little bit <laughs> a little bit but orange yeah <laughs> but ginger um so that other guy at the bar yeah yeah so, um, yeah, this all calms down. Obviously, the fan that goes on the field's arrested. Uh, finally, it came to the end, to an end, and both teams were cleared from the field to their locker rooms. Mm-hmm. So the game's not over yet, but both teams are told to go to their locker rooms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the tally. Like you for- think at this point, <laughs> with like all the shit that was going on and how late it is in the game, like you just call it at this point. Exactly. Like- well. And that's what the umpire, uh, I don't think I included the quote in here, but the umpires basically said that they felt that by calling the game, it would give the game to the Braves, which, yeah, and whatever. Yeah. But they're like, the Braves started it. <laughs> so they don't deserve to just get this win because... Yeah, they, they, yeah. This, this anarchy doesn't deserve to stop. Because yeah. the Braves threw the first pitch of the game at their guy and have done well. I guess not nothing since they just hit Nettles. Yeah, yeah. But so but they're winning, so we got to let this carry on. That makes no sense. Yeah. All right. So the tally for ejections at this point is San Diego twelve. Okay, four more, and the Braves five. So I think that's three more. Yeah, two more. I think two more. Well, definitely the manager Tori's gone now because his guy threw at the batter. Right. And the pitcher more. And somebody else that got seen <laughs> yeah. punching as everybody yeah. punched. Um, <laughs> so uh, five Braves fan fans had been arrested. All right. <laughs> so uh, so here's umpire crew crew chief McSherry uh, had to take a drastic measure to finish the game. Police were placed upon the dugouts and the benches were cleared. Players could only go on the field if they were playing a position at bat or on deck. 
Okay. <laughs> very restricted now. Yeah, so you have to be not on the not on the dugout in the clubhouse unless you're at bat or on deck or wow. playing a position. And there are police guarding the dugout, more specifically San Diego's dugout from yeah. the fans. Yeah. Which, remember, there's barely any netting at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Padres bullpen coach Harry Dunlop was the fourth manager of the game for the Padres. <laughs> Uh, That's got to be a record. Yeah, yeah. The game ended shortly after, with the Padres scoring two runs in the ninth after the benches had been cleared and a pseudo-police state was needed to be initiated to (laughs) end the game. The Braves won 5-3, to but who gives a shit? Yeah, that doesn't matter. After the game, both teams condemned the other team via the press with with so very strong wild criticism thrown with much very strong and wild criticism thrown at the opposing team joe torrey said of his opposing manager dick williams he should be suspended for the rest of the season it was gutless it stinks it was hitler like action <laughs> jesus <laughs> which no joe <laughs> You didn't think Joe Joe Torrey's been off base uh, the whole time through this story. Like, like yeah, he was a dick, but like he's not fucking Hitler. Like, no, no, and no. no. You were all assholes in yeah. this situation. Yeah, he he also said to the press, "Dick Williams is an idiot," and you can spell that with a capital I. All right. Which is fine. Don't yeah. say Hitler, though. <laughs> yeah, that was enough, Joe. That was That's enough. all you needed to say. That's enough. <laughs> so, San Diego GM uh, Jack McKeon accused the umpires of losing control of the game, to which crew chief McSorley retorted, the guy who lost control was in their dugout. <laughs> well, I mean, they're both right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just because the dude in the dugout didn't lost control. Like, you know. I mean, you should have ended the game after the second brawl. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like. But nothing really happened after the second brawl. But do we really need those last three outs? <laughs> no. 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 Even though the Padres did score two runs. But who cares? Um, so, and yeah, Dick Williams was a dick. Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he admits it, too. Yeah. So, um... And here's where he admits it. Dick Williams was suspended for 10 days and fined $10,000, which is pretty, pretty big. That's pretty hefty. I'd say that's equivalent to somebody being like a hundred thousand these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. For a manager, that might be, you know, like a 10th or a 20th of your, you know, a fifth of your payroll of your your pay. So, uh, fine regardless. Yeah. Yeah. At the press conference, uh, after the suspension was, uh, given, uh, Williams said, we had some honor to defend. Prez is a headhunter. There's no question we went after him. I'm responsible for it. I'll accept the penalty, but I think it's pretty steep. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's steep a little bit, but, like, I don't know. There's not any evidence in that game, at least, that Perez was headhunting. Like, you just hit the first guy. Like, there's no proof he did that on purpose. Exactly. Other than, like, the sort of exchange from the day before, but, like... Which is a completely you know, circumstantial. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, guys jaw at each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And pitchers hit a guy once in a while accidentally. Mm-hmm. But, even if Perez did hit Wiggins on purpose... Yeah. He hit him in the back. You went after him a couple times. Yeah. You missed. Yeah. That should be enough. That should yeah. be enough. 
I mean, yeah. he literally didn't headhunt him at all. Yeah, he hit him and in the you back. headhunted him <laughs> yes. three times, four times. <laughs> His pitch to the back of Wiggins was so, that was, like, the one to Wiggins and the one that hit Nettles were so much better get-back pitches because they were at the butt, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean... You're missing him by his shoulder, and even the elbow one. His elbow's up here, and he gets hit. Yeah, yeah. So Perez maintained that he had not hit Wiggins on purpose, uh, and for that he had got seven pitches thrown at him. Uh, but Wiggins, or sorry, Perez was still fined three hundred dollars. Hmm, shit. Exactly. Yeah, even though he three hundred bucks, so not too bad. Not too bad. But even though he wasn't involved in a fight whatsoever. Yeah. He yeah. walked back to the dugout the first time. Yeah. And yeah, he hit a guy in the first inning, and then a bunch of shit happened a few yeah. innings later, and they're like, uh, maybe for 300 for, bucks, buddy. Well, maybe for the first incident where he was kind of wielding the bat trying to run around the umpire, but right? That's true. I mean, either even still, <laughs> so, fair enough. <laughs> so, I like that. I like that you mentioned that that the headhunting comment was kind of unprovoked, mm-hmm. uh, because it was a perception on Perez, and just like so many, you know, kind of flashy black players at the time mm-hmm. you know i think it was more perception than reality right i think there was some uh, as our wonderful confirmation guest put it, bias there yeah a little bit of uh mass racism mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. too and i'm not going to just Veiled throw that racism, charge yeah. around broadly but at the same point when you look at the numbers for dick williams to say that mm-hmm. who's telling him this guy's a headhunter when you look back at it and Perez averaged four hit-by-pitch per 162 games a season over that's, his career. That's nothing. And in 82 and 83 seasons, the two seasons prior to this, mm-hmm. he hit only three batters over nearly 300 innings. Yeah, so... So he's hitting one guy every 100 innings, mm-hmm. and you're calling him a headhunter? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of counterintuitive to the what the stats say there. So. But, I mean, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he throws up an in. Well, that's possible too. Yeah, the stats he, like the hit by pitches don't necessarily show his location and everything. But who, but, who gives a shit though? He's no, good at throwing up and in if he's only hitting three guys every that's three hundred right. innings. Yeah. He's obviously got decent. Seems like he's got decent command. Exactly. So I mean, it's 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 I mean, all really bullshit. no way for us to tell. It's exactly. All bullshit, it's all it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Everybody has a role to play in this, but. But William saying that I think was off base based on just the numbers alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Torrey was suspended for three days uh, and fined one thousand uh, dollars. Two players from the Padres were suspended and three from the Braves. Nine Padres were fined, including all the pitchers who threw at Perez, as well as Champ Summers, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, he jumped on somebody's back. No, he had, no, he, he was the fan. fan. He had the he had fan. fan jump on he his, carried a fan but on his he, back. He right. tried to find Perez to right. murder him in the middle of right. the the. He, go he, around he, Mini John Cruck with the cast. I, I won't say he the fan should not have done that, but if he doesn't run over to the Braves dugout, mm-hmm. you know that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so the incident made waves through the baseball landscape and the American media. It was covered not by just by sports journalists, but by mainstream networks, including Nightline, which did an expose entitled Beanball Wars. Jeez. <laughs> Big press. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Padres catcher Terry Kennedy said to Rom Fimrite of Sports Illustrated in 1984, it would have been a lot simpler if we'd just hit Perez the first time up. 
Yeah, it probably would have been done at that point. None of this bullshit would have gone down. 100%. Yeah. yeah. We missed him three times uh, three times at bat. The whole thing got pretty ridiculous. It's bad to have kids watch something like this. Yeah. 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 He's a bunch of grown-ass men being petulant and throwing the ball at each other, for fuck's sake. Not only that, but you're having your manager plan out this whole war <laughs> yeah, that's true, ahead right? of time. Um <laughs> So head umpire John McSherry said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen in his life. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it set baseball back 50 years. 50 years? I know. That's a, little, a bit of a hyperbole. A little, but... little bit hyperbolic there, John <laughs> McSherry. But we can't... Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if John McSherry will get his own uh, podcast episode, but in uh, he might. 1996, John McSherry died on the baseball field of a heart attack. During the Reds' home opener against the Expos. No, oh, well, that's goddamn awful. Yeah, it's very sad. But he was yeah, great umpire. Very sad. Uh, so uh, the Padres went went on to walk away with the division, going ninety two and seventy, mm-hmm. and winning it by twelve games. The Braves finished in second place, still somehow with a record of eighty and eighty two. Oh, yeah, sub five hundred. Yeah, the NL West sucked that year. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Uh, it was their first of seven straight sub five hundred seasons. The Braves. Yeah. So okay. they, they had a shit time through the 80s. Must uh, have good scouting. Yeah, exactly. We all know what happens later. Yeah. Uh, the fight remained, remained synonymous among 1980s baseball fans and is no doubt one of the wildest brawls of all time on the baseball field. It even has its own John Boy breakdown, if you want to, mm-hmm. if you're a fan mm-hmm. of that. If you're a fan of that, it's pretty good. Uh, and, uh, one last thing before we, we, we end this main story is uh, the game was still over in under three hours. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Two hours, 56 minutes. So you could have a game in under three hours where you get all nine in- innings in and watch two fights. Three base bench-clearing events. Yeah. Two brawls. Fans on the field fighting. Beers being thrown. Four managers... It's quite impressive. Joe Torrey. <laughs> Joe Torrey doing whatever he's but, doing but out there. What the fuck were you doing? I, I can't. I, I wrote this in the last 24 hours, and it just kind of occurred to me today how batshit crazy it was to send him out there for an at-bat in the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, and then it was even crazier to take him out after that point. <laughs> well, he got hit by a pitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Better take him out just to be safe. <laughs> That's the funniest part of this whole episode. This wasn't really that funny. This was just intense. This is one of the most wild baseball brawls of all time. And it all took place on uh, August 12th, uh, 1984, between the Padres and the Braves. So I I honestly, I've wanted to do a baseball brawl episode for a while. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And this one had to be it. There's a few others that are great, but I don't think there's one with as much meat on the bone as this one. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely Pascual Perez will will one day get his own episode. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind on that. Well, I saw that. I think I saw this on uh, on this date MLB Instagram the other day. Yeah, just like, a couple clips of it, and uh, I mean, I didn't realize it had that much of a story to it that it would like be enough to like make a whole episode on it. But yeah, I, I did kind of know about this brawl, but not to this much detail so thanks for telling me that because you know that's way crazier than what 
you know, an Instagram caption can convey. Well, that's what we do here at Sean Ned's Do Baseball Ed's. <laughs> we bring you insightful knowledge on baseball history that social media cannot. Ooh, well, we do long form historical journalism. Not really. Is that what we do? Not really. But <laughs> we, we, stories, we research some baseball history and we tell each other it. And it's wonderful. And this one was about a bunch of guys, a bunch of grown men that beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. And, yeah, I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, check us out next time for episode... Number 50. <laughs> okay, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Okay, okay I'm Sean. Yeah, and I'm Ed. <laughs> We're doing baseball. Okay, check bye. it out next time. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you.